Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Jude. Uh, Johnny. Whatever. It's, it's too long. It's nice to be here. Yes. Yeah. It is good to be back. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, today, those who were here last week, uh, you know that the church started to look at the book of Ruth. And in chapter 1, you read about how Naomi was widowed uh, whilst she was abroad in Moab. Uh, And then Ruth, her daughter-in-law, who was also a widow, travelled with Naomi back to their hometown of Bethlehem. We need to to recognise over the four weeks that you're, you're looking at this book that the story of Ruth is all about redemption. It's bringing good out of struggles. It's bringing blessings out of the most unlikely situations that would bless us. And of course the ultimate moment of uh, redemption in the history of the world is the cross of Christ at Calvary where God's action turns this instrument of torture, the cross, into a symbol of blessing that we've appreciated ever since. Where the evil of the cross, the injustice and the unfairness of what was done to Jesus can open the way so that we can know forgiveness, so that we can know healing, so that we can know restoration and new life. That is redemption. And Ruth's story is one that shadows what happened at the cross. It's redemption. Today I want to focus on just one aspect of that redemption. And it's as the uh, title on the uh, PowerPoint suggests, it's the redemption of the ordinary. The redemption of ordinary lives. Ordinary days. Ordinary life. Just another day that blurs into our memories. You know what I mean? It's not a special day. It's a day that when you started out seemed to have little potential. They come round regularly. Most days. And we just live them. Very much like most of us will be regarding tomorrow. Christians these days seem to need big encounters. I'm worried when I go to churches and I hear everything expressed in the superlative. You know, it's phenomenal. Because for most of us, most of our days seem ordinary. And I believe that this morning, God wants to remind us that the ordinary can be redeemed. Something good can come out of the ordinary. 
We also need the assurance, if we're going to face tomorrow, that God is there in the ordinary, redeeming it, bringing good, thwarting evil, blessing the world through our ordinary lives. Or as one of the songs that we used to sing when I started as pastor here many years ago, he turns our weaknesses into his opportunities. Don't sit there for the rest of the talk trying to work out which song it was. I'll tell you later. It's those days when we have tried so hard to be faithful in the ordinary, yet we finish them feeling that this was just another day and I'm flat and I'm worn out. You see, I asked Jan to read the whole of chapter 2 because what we've read is just another day in Ruth's life. This was an ordinary day. And as it started for Ruth, it seemed a drudge. It would be hard work in the heat of the sun. Ruth perhaps was apprehensive about going out into the fields. She was living as an immigrant. She was living uh, as a widow in a foreign land. She was a carer for her elderly mother-in-law. She was not used to the customs of the land. They were alien to her. To start with, there was this strange way to help the poor and the widowed. And she was now both. The religious law required that farmers allow the poor to follow the reapers in the fields when it's harvest time. And as the barley was cut, the destitute could collect any that had been missed. And it was harvest time in Bethlehem. Ironically, a place that means, uh, a town that means the place of bread. And Ruth went out into the fields. Perhaps to her, the reapers seemed a coarse bunch of people. She didn't really want to be there. She felt vulnerable. Uh, Actually, in passing, can we notice something? The Old Testament law these days seems to come in for a lot of criticism. You know, it's too legalistic, it's, it's too bloodthirsty. But here, the character of God is embodied in the law. He is compassion, so his concern and his compassion for the poor and the widows, it's encased in the law of the land. Leave some barley. His grace was codified in the Old Testament law. If we're concerned for the Christian inheritance of, uh, inherited, inheritance of our land, we must strive to incarnate the compassion of God, the character of Christ in the laws of this land. His concern for justice and compassion. 
his concern for fairness and truth, the weak and the oppressed, the alien and the asylum seeker. The law of the Old Testament reflects the character of God. So early in the morning, Ruth goes into the fields. It's just another day. Most probably she has no idea whose field she's in. She just hopes she will be tolerated there. We know her choice was not accidental. She was in the best field that she could have chosen. But she was not to know. To her, perhaps, it was the nearest to home. Perhaps she'd had a look at the fields and that one seemed to have a lot of barley in it, so that would be a good place to start. Perhaps it was the one with fewest gleaners and more potential. We don't know. But she chose that field and it was hard work. But Ruth was okay with that. She was diligent. She was diligent in the ordinary. The reapers take a break. The owner, a man called Boaz, has arrived. Now he's obviously a man of standing and a property owner. That's still the case because obviously his relatives still own property in Bethlehem. I took that photo in May this year. But the way he greets his workers shows that he's a godly person. He notices Ruth and asks his men about her. They, they too have been impressed by her. The foreman knows her story and explains it and it's obvious Boaz has heard it too. And then Boaz speaks directly to Ruth. He says, stay in my fields. That way I can guarantee you'll be safe. Use my supply of water and food. That, that, that way you'll be refreshed. Your needs will be met. May God bless you. You see, we learn from Ruth that in our ordinary days, our redeeming God is at work. He's on our case. And we need to hear that. We need to understand it. We need to live it. We need to live it out at work, in our families, at home, in college, wherever. We need to know that God is at work in us, in the ordinary. In the days where we need to be diligent that perhaps might be a drudge. And His Holy Spirit is protecting us. He's providing for us. He's giving us our daily bread that we pray for. And Boaz says to Ruth, may you be richly rewarded by the Lord under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Wings of refuge. We live every day, each day, in the shadow of God's wings. That's what we're reminded of from Ruth. Even though 
we might not recognise it. Actually, it's a wonderful picture, the wings of refuge. It's a wonderful picture, it's a word picture that's used uh, often in the Old Testament and it spills over into the New Testament. It's used, as you can see from the uh, slide, it's used in the Psalms particularly. And as you read through those, hide me in the shadow of your wings, people take refuge in the shadow of your wings, Uh, I will take refuge, you are my help, I sing in the shadows, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You see what a picture it is, it's a picture of safety and protection. It's a picture of refuge, of provision and help. And Boaz is reminding Ruth that in the ordinary days of life, all of this comes her way. It's a picture of refreshment, of rest, of family. It's a picture of loyalty, of hope, of sacrifice. It's a picture of what God is doing in our world in the ordinary. Every day he's giving us those those things we need. Refuge, provision, help, refreshment, rest. It's our needs for a Monday. And the day after that too. Let me just lob in at this point a controversial thought just to provoke here's a couple of references and it's that image of God as the protective bird Uh, one from Isaiah the owl will nest there and lay eggs she will hatch them and care for her young under the shadow of her wings and then it's one that uh, Jesus picks up Uh, in Matthew 23 Jerusalem, Jerusalem you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing will you notice that both in Isaiah and in Matthew the picture of finding refuge under the wings is a feminine picture. It's her wings. The image of God is as a protective bird is a female image in the Bible. As I say, I just lob it in to to be provocative. Jesus uses that female image of himself and of God's protection Mother God, Father God. Let's get back to the story and let's not be provocative any longer. Boaz goes back to his men and he instructs them to leave extra barley for Ruth so that she can collect it. So much so that when she returns to Naomi, her mother-in-law, in the evening, the older woman is amazed at how much barley Ruth has collected. That is until she discovers it was Boaz's field. 
And Naomi explains to Ruth how Boaz is a relative. In fact, he is a very specific relative. One who stands, in the the words of the Bible, as a kinsman redeemer in law. The nearest word or the nearest concept that we have to that is as a guardian. Stands as a guardian in law. And again, it's the Old Testament law reflecting the character of God to protect, to care for, to redeem. Uh, And the kinsman redeemer had some very specific roles that reflected God's care, the character of God. By law, these guardians were required to protect their family. And they had to protect the the vulnerable members of the family, their interests. They had to uh, provide for widows after the husband had died. They had to settle debts. If land had been sold, family land had been sold to meet a debt, they had to buy back, back the land. If family members had been sold into slavery to pay a debt, they had to buy back the slave and give him or her their freedom. And if the family had been hurt, then the kinsman redeemer, the guardian, was to avenge the wrongs done to the family. I'm sure that you will meet again this idea of protection of the guardian of, of the kinsman redeemer in the next couple of weeks. But in her ordinary day, because it had just been an ordinary day in the fields as far as Ruth is concerned, in her ordinary day, Ruth had encountered her Redeemer. And isn't that our prayer as we go through the ordinary? That our God will walk with us in the ordinary and we will encounter by the power of his Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ our Redeemer, as we go through life. But it took Naomi to point out what a blessing Ruth had had that day. Ruth had just gone through the day without realising who it was she had encountered. An ordinary day had been redeemed and it wasn't by accident that Ruth was where she was. It wasn't by accident that she met who she did. It was God ordained his spirit was at work in the ordinary and tomorrow we'll do what we need to do I hope we will all do it well to the best of our ability diligently in all conscience I trust that we will be faithful in the way that we conduct ourselves before God. And Ruth's story reminds us how God honours that way of living. How he uses it. How he inhabits our daily lives by his spirit. Maybe, just maybe, you won't recognise our Redeemer when he's alongside. We will know 
his provision for our lives, his protection, his guidance, his blessing, his grace. But it might take someone else to point it out to us. Because you see, he's not just going to be in us, but he's going to roll out his story through us. He's going to roll out his big plan into our world, into our ordinary lives, through our lives to other people. We don't just live our story, our ordinary story. We live his extraordinary story day by day. We inhabit his story and his story becomes our story even in ordinary days. Ruth and Boaz were part of God's big plan. They actually feature in the ancestors of Christ listed in the New Testament in Luke's Gospel. In our ordinary days, what Ruth reminds us is that we're caught up in his mission, his big story. Those of you who've come to the Bible course, his meta-narrative. And as I said, we will need each other to recognise God's activity in our lives, to point it out, to say, look, here, see, God's redemption in your life, through your life, you're there, in his will, in his plan, rolling out his mission. Even in the ordinary, in ordinary days, like any other. Like tomorrow, unpromising, perhaps challenging. But it's always another opportunity for God to reveal his grace. Not just to us, but through us to the world. And if you don't believe me, go home and read again the second chapter of Ruth. Because God does use ordinary days. So what I would encourage you to do this week is cherish the ordinary. Let's pray about tomorrow, shall we? Father God, this time tomorrow, we will be in a very different place, doing something very different. For many of us, it will just seem like an ordinary day. We pray that you will take our ordinary sacrifice And by the power of your Spirit, do something remarkable in us, through us, in the lives of other people, and into our world. And we pray that at some point in the next day or two, we will meet someone who reminds us of how God uses our ordinary lives and works through us. We don't just pray for our own protection. We don't just pray for our own provision. We pray that through us, other people will be protected 
and provided for as well. Give us your compassion. Give us your care. Empower us to be diligent in the ordinariness of life. Let us see you work something marvellous in our ordinary. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.